come ready to train a puppy. Okay, now that is going on the intro to this episode <laughs> for sure. Hello there, welcome back to Marketed Not Blog, which is, of course, by now, you know this, the podcast that is adding such value to your life that you'll definitely want to buy a ticket to the event on Thursday, the 7th of September in Leicester. We're just being super honest about this. The point of this podcast is you get an idea of how good the event is and you immediately want to buy a ticket. So that's what we're going to do today. Um, as you know, or maybe you don't know, I don't know, perhaps you've just come across this randomly on Spotify. Who knows? Welcome. This year, our theme for Marketed Live is Challenge Everything. And so on this season's episodes, our guests will be asked to challenge an accepted assumption. So without further ado, let's uh, get rid of me. No one's really that interested in me. Let's get stuck in to our episode. Okay, and today I have the pleasure of introducing one of our fantastic speakers for this year's event. It's Joanne Boyce. Hi. Hi. <laughs> um, Joanne, tell us a little bit about you, what you do, and um, your credentials, if you like. Ooh, my credentials. So I was born... No. It's <laughs> <laughs> so only 20 minutes. We haven't had all day. You don't want the whole life story? Well, uh, if it's interesting, we'll go for it. I'll do the marketing one. Okay, all right. So the marketing life story is wanted to get into social media marketing and I couldn't. So I trained myself on everything to do with it because the internet is amazing. And for the past six years, I have been working as an inclusive marketing consultant because I went into social media marketing, saw a bunch of problems and said, I'm going to fix it. And that is one of the main things I do. But off the back of that, I have a master's in data science, which is helping to build a platform called Include AI, uh, which is helping marketers to identify bias in their marketing content. So all the things I saw, I'm trying to make me an algorithm to sit next to someone's shoulder and say, hey, don't post that. <laughs> I love that. I love that analogy of like the little person on the shoulder. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and hopefully the future it'll be able to tell them to don't post it in whatever language or whatever continent oh wow well mm-hmm. as in being specific to say post this in the uk but don't post it in france or just yes. don't post this really okay now that's that's interesting so okay i want to like ask you a couple of questions about that before we get stuck into challenging assumptions so mm-hmm. uh, you obviously saw uh, enough of what social media was about to appreciate the problems with it what is the biggest problem with bias on social media um it's an interesting one because it's kind of contradictory to what the core of marketing is and essentially understanding that we are not the target audience we have to understand who we're targeting and understand their interests and then present the content to them and Somewhere along the line, especially on social, I think because it's such a high pace, the narrative of who that target audience became started to replicate what Hollywood was doing. Like, you know, the Hollywood movies, they always Mm -hmm. hire a blonde, skinny woman. You would assume because we spend all this time as marketeers creating audience segmentation and personas and all this research, we would be like, okay. Our women, if we're talking women, are all different shapes, all different sizes. We're going to do this really amazing campaign. But no, we just 
decided to post blonde skinny women no offense to any blonde skinny people but you've had a lot of spotlight in marketing for a while um so that was the biggest thing I noticed it was that a lot of the content that had opportunities to be creative to be innovative and to really speak to wide audiences was just lacking do you do you think that's because um well actually maybe maybe i should ask you why do you think that is but i was just going to put something to you anyways the thought that came into my head hmm. but you know when you when you learn to be a marketer if you want to call it like like that if you go through any sort of marketing education you know they talk about building personas and you know, painting a picture of what the target audience looked like. And of course, the answer to every audience is it, well, it varies and it's massively diverse and, and different potentially. Mm-hmm. Um, but you cho- you've chosen to pick one so that you can empathize with that character and therefore know um, what they need and, and talk directly to them. Do you think that really marketers can do a good enough job of, of understanding? who they're trying to target? I think they can get about 80%, no matter the audience. And that might be tricky because the one thing we all have in common is that we're all of the human species. Mm -hmm. So we should be able to understand and feel emotion and so forth. So even if a team was all male, all cis white men, and they were trying to create a campaign for period products, it should be at least 80% decent is my my personal stat. Mm-hmm. I don't think it will be a good campaign because <laughs> good is subjective, but they should at least cover the basis of, okay, women use period products done, like the core things. And then I feel like marketers, now that we have social media, can seek the next 20% from inspiration and the makeup of their team. So that's where having a diverse team comes in. That's where having diverse resources comes in. And that's where talking to your customers from all backgrounds comes in. And it makes up that last 20%. Okay. So um, I think we could talk about this if you, if you like. But like, and just, so I, I want to ask you about an assumption then that, that we should challenge. But I'm conscious that what you might want to challenge might not be what we're just talk, talking about. But... <laughs> It, it, seem, it seems to me that actually in the work that you do, you are challenging a lot of assumptions and quite quite rightly so. What's what's the biggest assumption that your work um, and the development of these algorithms challenges? Oh, it's like asking, who have I not pissed off today? <laughs> <laughs> Who's the person you pissed off the most? Uh, maybe another question. Um, so it's funny. The challenges I have, I have three. The one that I challenge consistently, and I think anyone who started their marketing career in social media probably probably does this, is the assumption that social media marketing is easy. That is my bugbear. I hate it when anyone says that statement. I'm just like, how dare you? And every other marketing sector, I feel this, again, I'm standing on my pulpit here, but they have their well-defined roles. And then a social media marketer is doing 52 jobs in one go. That's I'm just leaving that one there. It's an admin um, job, isn't it? Isn't it an admin oh, job? Can't anyone do it? Can't the intern do it? Can't 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 someone who's literally just stepped out of a classroom just do it? PTSD. <laughs> that says it all. That, says it all. that <laughs> side was brilliant. <laughs> um, then my second challenge is kind of the diversity and inclusion sector. I think it's going through 
a phase or it had a phase where everything was unconscious bias. And yes, it's necessary to be aware of biases. It's necessary for those things. But I believe that if you're going to implement any change, it needs to be specific to that industry. There's no point of a diversity and inclusion expert who has HR experience coming to teach your marketing team how to do more inclusive marketing because they don't understand the fundamentals of marketing. And yes, there's crossover, but certain things don't have the same context applied as a brushstroke. And we know this, we know this in marketing, but because diversity and inclusion sometimes gets treated with the soft gloves or gets treated with a lot of emotion and a lot of personalization as well, people put their feelings into it. And I'm like, but when you're creating a campaign for period products, you're not crying about period pain. You're trying to sell period products. So why are you crying that you've never put a black person in the campaign? Just do it. Mm. So that's second. And then the final one is with an AI where everyone's like, oh my gosh, ChatGPT, OpenAI, all these things are amazing. Hello, they've all been trained on the internet. The internet and everything else thus far has been majority male, majority white, majority able-bodied stuff. So of course these AIs aren't going to solve the problem. Mine will, but the ones out there won't. <laughs> uh, you're the only person that's come in with like multiple <laughs> assumptions, and I love that. I love that. I think you know. Let's 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 take the opportunity. Um, so do I get to do I get to pick from any of those? Yes, the the, the platter is yours. Okay. Well, no, it's about you, not me. Um, but. So the, I'm quite interested in the last point you raised there about AI and, and to kind of delve into a little bit about the work that, that you're doing on that front anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think you're right. People don't understand, well, clearly people don't understand the, the tools that exist because they're just magic, aren't they? They appear and you can you can now, now do things. Um, how often do you end up having to sort of tell people or remind people uh, how these AI tools are built or on what um, language model or what, what data sets they're, they're built on. Is that is that quite a shock to people to discover that it's um, built on the internet? <laughs> it tends to be a shock to people, but also I think people think of AI like building a house where they think that the people who made it went and got these materials and put them together and well-intentionally like mapped everything out when really it's a little bit more like taking sand to a beach you chuck it in and you hope that it makes glass at one point Mm -hmm. and they just keep chucking more sand at it they're not really checking the quality of the sand they try and they try to remove certain things and improve it but they're not they're not as intentional as an architect building a house right okay so so is that just to kind of try a different analogy but in the same context so is it a bit like um would it be the same as like me going to build a house like no idea what i'm doing really no it's got bricks in no it's got a bit of cement could have a go at that layering where the bricks like intersect with with one another i could probably do a fairly decent job of getting a square house right but that would be that would be the limit and the house would not last very long the out the outcome would not be any good hmm. so yes no and maybe <laughs> <laughs> let's jump analogies yeah. and give a little bit of sneak peek okay, into okay. what my talk is going to be on 
Ooh. It would be more like you were given a puppy yeah. and no one told you what happened to this puppy. This puppy's two years old. Okay. And you're like, okay, I have this puppy. I They told me this puppy's super helpful, but they haven't really told you how. And you're just trying to figure out how to get this puppy to do things around your house. You know, they told you it would do all these things, but you're just like, how? And then one day this puppy bites you. And you're like, why did the puppy bite me? Because you have no idea what the previous owners train it. You have no information on what commands they gave it. You have no things, but you've been given something that has a lot mm. of potential. Because, you know, you can train a puppy to be a drug sniffing dog or a guide dog. It has a lot of potential, but you need to know the prerequisites, like had it bite a bitter person in the yeah. past or has it got rabies? I feel like you'd spot rabies. I've never had a puppy. So my puppy analogy is very interesting. But, but, <laughs> but you know, I've watched, I've watched TV shows, right, about mm-hmm. like rehousing dogs, right? There's, there's often a story of trauma, right? So it's a good analogy because you don't know whether that person, that puppy had some traumatic experience that means it's more likely to bite an owner because mm-hmm. the previous owner hit it or, some, or something like that is what you're saying. Mm-hmm. And it's the same with AI. You don't know. We do not know what data has gone in to train the AI. Mm. But it can be useful. I'm yeah. not saying it can't, but you have to kind of really fin it and figure out what that usefulness is. And then the other element of it, um, because it's been trained on the internet, you don't know if it's regurgitating something else or a variation of something. So you can't mm-hmm. really say that anything that AI creates is a thousand percent unique. And I use a thousand percent because it might, you might be able to find a way to say it's a hundred, but if someone searched hard enough, say AI created a story now and it said, um, Paul and Joanne fly to the moon. Right now, you and I have never been to the moon. We've never written about it. We don't think anyone else has written about it, but it might be somewhere else in the world. Somebody else wrote a story about, joy and pal it's like close enough to our names yeah 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 fly around the moon Uh like the story's close enough yeah and that's the bit of ai that it gets tricky that's going a bit more into the legal aspect but honestly i think we don't know what data has been fed into it so we really shouldn't be trusting it okay so in terms of your ai and the work that you're doing with with that Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm giving you like the spotlight here. Like, just tell me a little bit about what it it does, or what the plans are in terms of what it's what it's going to do, um, to to maybe combat some of these assumptions and these issues. So, the beautiful and amazing puzzle that we're working on to build include AI is essentially that marketing is intentionally biased. It's intentionally we are trying to target an individual to evoke an emotion to intentionally get them to purchase or do something. Mm -hmm. So there's clear rules, which is very different to the rest of society. There's clear rules of the person who's doing the thing and there's clear expectations of the person receiving that content on the other side. So in our case, we're looking at ways to build an AI that understands the intention, but can consume a lot of the wider societal context. So one of the campaigns we have, we have a huge vault of campaigns that have been received backlash or have been labeled as inclusive or innovative of the time or you know really really bad you know the one I use in a lot of my talks is the H&M 2018 coolest monkey in the jungle sweater Mm -hmm. where 
that received a lot of backlash. They lost about $4 billion in stocks, revenue, and store damage for that campaign, where Little Black Boy was wearing a sweater that said Coolest Monkey, and the other counterparts in the campaign were wearing survivalists, and they were little white children. Now, there's a lot of levels of context in that where someone obviously missed it and missed the element of saying, okay, this is not going to land well when it goes out to the public. But you can somewhat easily, we're still, we're fundraising at the moment, train an AI to understand that the word monkey has historical negative impact towards Black people. So therefore, if a campaign does include that, it should not go, it should not go out. It, it's it's simple rules in a sense yeah. when you mm-hmm. break it down like that, but it's when you think about how much content a brand like H and M produces, you have to catch it across the board in all of their print, digital, and products, photo shoots. It's it's a lot of content to to process. It it is, and I guess do you think then that in situations like that where it's got it's got to the point of being published. And it's and it's gone out and received backlash, and you know you look at it and go, well, that that obviously shouldn't have have gone out. Is is that often to do with the volume and the workload? I mean, I'm, I'm not excusing the fact that it it goes out in the first place, but is is that the reason that's given the most? The general reason tends to be they just didn't know. You oh. see it a lot with fashion brands. They're like, oh, we just really they, that's the general. When you break down, another thing we do is we break down the apologies. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> Talk to me about these because I, <laughs> uh, I quite like hearing the apologies. Like, you know, we, we, we're we sorry that you were offended kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. When you break down the apologies, <laughs> the only person who's put out a decent apology for backlash is Rihanna. And I just, I just love her marketing team. I, I'm not even fussed about meeting Rihanna. I just want to meet the chief of marketing for Fenty. I keep putting that out into the world. But when you break down the apologies, it tends to go, um, it wasn't our intention, so my bad, or oops. It's just, they don't take any ownership. We'll try to do better, but you know, it's a hard, we we do a lot of stuff. Always learning. (laughs) We're always, there you go. We're always learning. learning. We do a lot of stuff, you know, and we've appointed this one person to do everything. Yeah. Those tend to be the three things. It wasn't our intention. We're really trying hard to learn. We've, We've listened. And we've appointed a diversity and inclusion officer who's going to take care of our whole production line. And it's like, um, that's over 4,000 people making billions of decisions a day. Okay, that one person. And that one person is then responsible for racial representation, inclusive language, gender representation, um, sizeism, if you're thinking about clothing, yeah. accessibility of the cl- Like, these that's are several different departments. Yeah. <laughs> um, so a lot of time, once it goes out, I do think it's more so the lack of people on their team to generally take that responsibility and the lack of systems and processes, which goes back to why um, we're building a software because so much of what we do in marketing, except for the creativity part, I would say is systemized. Mm-hmm. We know we're going to schedule content. We know we're going to do SEO on a website. We have so many processes attached to it, but it's about integrating a process for that, that removes yeah. the requirement. Like there shouldn't have to be a woman on the team to let you know an ad is sexist. And also, I mean, I'm just kind of putting this out there, I suppose, where you have smaller teams, smaller businesses, where uh, maybe just because of sheer number of people, not everybody is directly represented in a decision-making capacity, Mm -hmm. a a tool such as this or, or, or some kind of process like this serves that purpose 
um, serves the purpose of being the the sense check, the filter, the the safety net before something goes out. Yeah, and to be honest, there is no team in any sector that will ever be diverse enough well, to exactly. cover society. Um, and I think there's another element to it. A lot of the times when I went in and I do inclusive marketing workshops and I talk about the process that the team has, about 50% of the time, the person that has requested for me to come into the company to do that is the only one on the team. So either the only woman, the only queer person or the only person of color or a combination of those. And they're just tired. A lot mm. of the time they want me to come in and say the stuff they've been saying for about two years. And as a creative, as someone who probably enjoys marketing, having to be the tone or the bias police, it's not fun. It's sucking away. You didn't, yeah. it wasn't on your job description when you applied. You want to be creative. Why are you having to tell people, hey, before we publish that, maybe we should, um, you know, not. Yeah, but it, but it doesn't, oh God, I can't remember the word, devolve people or dissolve people, I can't remember what the phrase is, of the responsibility of knowing though, does it? I'm just wondering whether... When people were, because the thing with AI tools is that mm-hmm. we're starting to see people rely on them, and you know, not pay due diligence to to some to some of the things that it produces because they've made an assumption that it's absolutely spot on, and and therefore you know, oh, I can do fifty five thousand blogs this week, um, and that's good enough. Let's let's chuck it out. Does it? Surely we've still got to stop people from going. I don't need to think about diversity and inclusivity because I've got a solution that that solves that for me so it it definitely doesn't that was one of the main things when we were doing user testing anytime it flags something people wanted to know why because and i think this is a sector specific thing marketers are generally curious like think if you've ever got lost in google analytics just trying to figure out why (laughs) did that one thing convert what yeah where who and you you're you're like 10 rabbit holes deep (laughs) trying to figure out why that thing so um, we have an educational hub attached to it, which will kind of explains the context. But the other element, it will not it will it won't publish anything, but it has to be human interrupted because of the dynamics of marketing. One campaign going out to say, even if we just keep it to the UK, a campaign going out to Bristol versus a campaign going out to London does need some tonal difference if you're doing postcode targeting. Yeah, so you're still going to have to check that, you know, you're not sending the same if you were going to do a stereotypical farmer campaign for Bristol, which you shouldn't do, by the way. This is not a content idea for anyone. Um, (laughs) You wouldn't want to send that same kind of tone to a London. No. So you have to actively make the choice to publish and you have to actively make the choice. But it's that element of being able to track, okay, when we did do that and we did have a bias that lent this way, say we removed the generic British accent and we put on a stronger regional accent that doesn't include the London swang or words or anything, it performed better. Like we intentionally biased the accent of this campaign or this voiceover or whatever, and it performed better in those regions. Okay. I say that and I'm like, I want to try that now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm thinking of that. I, I, do some, I do some work in the agricultural sector and I'm thinking... Hmm, that's quite interesting because that is a that is quite a specific group of people, mm-hmm. and uh, when you throw in some of the regional bits in there as well, that's an extra, extra layer. Um, okay, so there's lots we could get stuck into, but we don't have the time. But just in terms of sort of uh, what what's your what's your plan for launch? Is it is it is it cl- re- relatively close by in terms of like a potential 
beta launch or anything like that? So we're doing testing right now with a couple of clients on the language aspect, um, which is if you've ever used any of the improve your job ad, we're doing a version of that for marketers. And then we're fundraising to do the bigger platform because going back to the whole, all the AI tools out there are really bad. We're not really able to use any of those tools to make our tool, which is what a lot of, you know, you see everyone's integrating AI. I think Hootsuite integrated AI the other day and it's like, why? Leave it alone. (laughs) Um, They're all building on top of... Why? (laughs) Why? Like, why? Everyone's got an AI. You're absolutely right. Some people I understand, like HubSpot integrating AI makes sense because they have a ton of content to pull from. And a lot of the time, the answer is in HubSpot's database. And you're like, oh, but I don't know where to click. But Hootsuite, I'm just like, what? why? Um, anywho, so we're fundraising to build our own algorithm and our own data sets. So we're looking to do a launch, um, ideally Q2 2024. Excellent. Well, I look forward to that. I will happily sign up to to a beta thingy test program whatever uh, i like to to, to test poke the buttons and do the things yeah exactly and go whoops got that wrong but i'm also interested in terms of stuff you know that, that me and my team might might put out there you know it's, it's it's definitely gives you lots of food for thought and i do like the idea of someone sort of sitting on your shoulder saying well no i don't think that's that should go out for, the, for these reasons or here's something that you didn't that you, that you didn't know because mm-hmm. um, you didn't know you just uh, didn't know yeah. i just didn't i just didn't know um okay so as we said you're a speaker at marketed live i'm really looking forward to it joanne um you'll be talking about this and other things is there anything you want to kind of like give away as a little teaser um come ready to train a puppy (laughs) come ready to train a puppy okay now that is going on the intro to this episode (laughs) for sure because people won't have a scooby-doo what we're talking about um <laughs> but it, as ever it's lovely to to speak to you thank you for coming on the show i'm looking forward to seeing you in um a few weeks in leicester uh, where we get to hang out and we get to learn a lot more about the sorts of ideas and things that you're talking about thank you so much paul i'm very excited to speak thanks joy Well, that's your lot for this episode. Now, I would absolutely love you to think about what all of these fantastic guests of ours are saying. We've got some wonderfully intelligent people in our marketed live world. And I think that includes you as well, dear listener. So if you haven't got a ticket, get yourself down to Leicester, 7th of September, 2023. It's a Thursday. You can take Friday off. I think this is the best lineup that we've had in terms of topics that are going to have an impact on the way that you do things. So you know it's time to invest in yourself we are keeping ticket prices as low as possible because you know we know that this year of all of the years that we've run it people are perhaps well apart from 2020 when like no one wanted to talk to each other um this you know this is a difficult year and so we've got a couple of options for you we have kept ticket prices low we haven't increased prices and uh, if you are struggling i don't want you to miss out on this we have a pay it forward fund where uh, other attendees and some partners have invested in a fund so if you're struggling but you'd like to come there are ways in which we can make it happen you just need to reach out completely in confidence to hey at marketed.live or uh, via our instagram dms 
and we will talk to you about the process of um, gaining access to the social fund. Regardless of whether that's you or if you're just coming anyway, all information about the speaker lineup, travel and accommodation options are all on the website, marketed.live. I hope to see you there. I will see you on another episode of the podcast.